All right, so traditions are fun. Um, for me, I know that I've got a favorite tradition, and it's built around two primary things. It's built around crowns and crab legs. And I don't know, I don't know exactly when this tradition started, but for every Christmas Eve, we would get together for dinner, and we would always have crab legs and wear these, like, felt Christmas crowns. Take a look, a couple, a photo for reference. Many years of the same crowns being passed around, okay? You can clear that. I don't want you to be jealous, okay? But... <laughs> But this tradition, oh, oh, I know, hold on, you, you, jumped, you jumped the gun here, Tessa. Hold on a second. This tradition, though starting small, now next photo, next photo, next photo, okay, there we go. It started with the immediate family, okay, but then it progressively evolved into like this expanded over time as we begin to invite anyone who might need a place to hang for Christmas. Our unofficial motto was basically, if there's an open seat at the table, there's still room for more, okay? Now, one of my favorite Christmas Eves was this. This Christmas tradition happened 2016. Ford was born, my first born, the boy. He was sleeping upstairs. Becca, pregnant with number two, River. We had my adopted brother, Brian, who's in the front row over here, joining us from Chicago. Come on, Brian. You know you love the weather here. We need you here. Um, we had my brother, adopted brother Rahul in the back corner doing something weird with his hands. We had my adopted brother Robert sitting in the middle. And uh, my folks, we had my friend Kelsey off to the back and, and back of myself. And, and after an amazing Christmas Eve service, 2016, we all got together with our Christmas crowns. And we got together to feast on crab legs and steak and mashed potatoes and cookies and biscuits and more crab legs until we burst. And then we would laugh and tell stories and reflect on the year and we would just enjoy the moment, you know? Just enjoy. It was such an amazing time together. And I remember even now sitting with that selfie stick, right? Trying to take a picture. I remember thinking, man, this is what Christmas is all about. All sorts of people. The immediate, the extended, the adopted family from all sorts of backgrounds. All gathered together to celebrate Jesus. We had room at the table for more, so we said, come on over. Welcome home. We still have room for more. Now, what am I getting at? You can clear that off the screen. What am I getting at? Beyond everyone's deep desire to now join us on Christmas Eve, I understand. The big idea of what I, I'm trying to, I, I want us to all walk away with today. big idea is that Jesus was born that first Christmas for a lot of reasons. But the primary intention of his arrival was to expand God's family. To expand God's family because God so loved the world. Jesus came to make room for the world to know God and be welcomed into his house. I want to say that one more time, and I better get the biggest amen of the year. Jesus arrived so the world might know God and be welcomed into his house. Amen. Now why? Why did this happen? It's because from the stable to the table, God believes there's still room for more. And if you're taking notes today, that's what I like to call this message. There's still room for more. Now, all that said, how does this big idea, this uh, kind of primary objective of, of, of Jesus, connect with our first week of Advent being peace, focusing on, on peace? Well, that's where things start to get a little wild and a whole lot more Beautiful. And so if you have your Bibles, let's take a look at how peace plays into God's ultimate purpose of making room in his house for the world to come home. 
starting first with the story of Jesus from Luke chapter 2 and Matthew 2. And before we get there, just a bit of context, um, if, you, if you're kind of new to the story. So leading up to the birth of Jesus, leading up to Advent, we see first at the beginning of the story in Scripture that God has a family. And he called and identified and formed this immediate family on earth through a person named Abram, a name that he renamed Abraham. And Abraham, who our kids know as Father Abraham, had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. Yeah, this is the story, right? We know this story. I am one of them. And so now we are because of Christmas, right? But here's the deal. God, he decided early on to make a promise and a covenant to Abraham. The promise is that Abraham would be the father of God's people on earth, and he would receive land, nation, and blessing. That's the promise that was given to Abraham. The covenant, though, that God made is that God is committed to always being for Abraham and Abraham's kids. Regardless of their ability to be faithful to him, he would be faithful to them. This is the covenant in what God did. Now, eventually... Abraham had many sons. He had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob was renamed. Thank you. And Israel went on to have 12 boys who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And all of these tribes claimed God, God claimed as his. All of these people, they were all family, but this family was still limited. It was limited to the people of Israel. I need you to remember that. The family was closed. Now, moving on, Israel, as a family and as a people-turned-nation, they had some ups and downs. You read the scriptures, you'll see some highs and lows. And it eventually became clear that they would never be able to be faithful to their commitment to God on their own. Even with the best of intentions, they'd never be faithful enough to God on their own. Still, none of this was a surprise. None of this was a surprise to God. No, he always knew this would happen. The father always knew this would happen, which is why from the very beginning, even before he called Abraham, even before the story, he crafted a plan. A plan to not only make a way for Israel to be faithful, but also to expand his family, to make room in one fail swoop so the whole world might be welcomed into his house. And this brings us up to the nativity, the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph. Mary probably 14 years old. Just put, put that in your back pocket. Mary is probably 14. She's a girl that God saw as worthy to carry Jesus and to be Jesus's mom on earth. And Joseph, a man of honor who stuck with Mary, even though she became pregnant before they were married through the Holy Spirit, um, that he stuck with her because he had faith that God had a plan. So this is Mary and Joseph. And as the story goes, as many of you know, in the first century, the Roman government was trying to keep tabs on its citizens, so it called for a census, which meant everyone had to go back to their hometown, their home place, um, to be counted. But as you can imagine in this context of Mary and Joseph, they traveled with a fair amount of scandal. They traveled with scandal. She was pregnant before she got married, and so even though they would have had plenty of family in Bethlehem, because this is Joseph's hometown, picture that, extended family in Bethlehem, it seems that no one made room for them to stay. So Mary and Joseph found a stable to rest, and here's the story of peace in Luke 2. It's on the screen. And while they were there, the time came for her baby Jesus to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him, in, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger 
because there was no lodging available for them. And pause there again for just a second because I want you to recognize the irony of the situation because Jesus, he arrived to do what? To make room for everyone to be born again and welcomed in God's house. But he did it in a time and place that made no room for him to simply be born. The family that should have welcomed him, and he would have had family. The family that should have welcomed him didn't. And so God decided to open the doors to welcome the whole world into his presence. And we see this intention first with the shepherds. Shepherds who might look cute on the little nativity scene right on top of your mantle. They look cute. I know like little tykes has the little shepherds and they're very charming. But in the the first century, they were absolutely the lowest of the low of society. Shepherds were the lowest of the low in the first century, both for Romans and for Jews. They were dirty, they were rejects, and they were often seen as criminals. And yet, it's to them, it's to them God made room to witness his arrival. Check this out in verse 8. Such a great text. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. Imagine witnessing this experience in the field nearby. The vast armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So what happens next? Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So, I know that most of us know this story, but what are we actually seeing happen? So, God sends angels to shepherds. The armies of heaven, God sends down to shepherds who had no earthly business being welcomed into anything. And the angel said to them, First, The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. God has arrived on earth, and you'll find him not in some lofty palace or posh castle, but in a common place. In a common place for any and all to come and see what God is like. And so they go to meet God. They go to meet God, a God that they've heard whispers about but never felt welcome to encounter. They go and meet a God that they were told couldn't possibly care about them because of where they've been. A God that didn't care about them because of where they were or what they do. I wonder if anyone here has ever felt the same way, like 
like maybe God's affection. God's invitation was always just outside of reach. Just outside of reach because of where you've been or what you've done. Maybe it's a past mistake. Maybe it's a present reality or an identity that you can't seem to shake. And so now here you are lingering in this holding pattern of not quite good enough. That's the nativity scene, friends. That's Luke chapter 2 times 1,000, okay? And yet here are angels appearing to first to those the world called unworthy. Unworthy. And they say to these outsiders, I bring you good news of great joy. Now go and see. Go and be welcomed into the presence of God. There's still room for more. And there was room with Jesus. Because with Jesus, there's always room for more. And we see that with the shepherds. We see that with the shepherds, but we also see that as the story continues in Matthew chapter 2 with the three wise men, or the magi. The magi, who scholars believe to be these mystic astrologers from Persia, India, and Arabia. Mystic astrologers that saw a star and followed it to Jesus. And here's the story in Matthew 2 verse 9. It says, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And again, I know that this scene... Many of us already know. Many of us have been in, like, Christmas cantatas where you're the one, like, wearing the thing, and, like, I get that. But, but, but it's really important that we understand what's happening here and the significance for, for what this ha- was happening in the first century, but also for us. Because, y'all, these people were not Christians. These people weren't even Jews. These people were Eastern mystics who studied the stars to predict the future. That's who these people were. What, what, would, what, would we, what would we typically call these people today? We, these are the people that most Christians would call pagans or occultists or Scientologists because they were. But what's wild, what's wild and so profoundly beautiful about this story is that even when they were outsiders, Jesus was calling them in. Hey, hey, yeah, I, I love it. I feel it now. This is good. Even when they were outsiders, Jesus was calling them. Jesus called to them, and this is what's wild. Jesus called to them, God called to them through what they already knew, through what they already worshipped into his presence. Jesus, God appropriated pagan, mystical, religious practices to call these people. God used a star, an object of their former worship, to summon these wise men into his presence. Why? Why? Because with Jesus, the door is always open, and there's still room for more. Because God loved these people. And again, this is so key for us to recognize that the folks who came to Jesus, they were not those who have, should have welcomed him first. They were not the safe bet. They were not the ones society would have seen as worthy. They would not be the ones that we would typically send. It was the outsiders. But this was all according to plan. It was all according to plan. None of this was random. None of this was a reaction like for some reason God couldn't get lodging in a small town. No, and it's because God's ultimate dream wasn't just for Israel to know God, but for the whole world to be saved. 
the whole world. God wanted a full house. And so he came to make room for the lost to be found. And we see this. We see this dream. We see this intention, this reality revealed all throughout the scriptures, but specifically in this parable that Jesus taught later on in life. And I just want to share this with you from Luke chapter 14. It says this, it says, Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready, but they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. And so the servant, verse 21, returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets. Go into the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Verse 22, after the servant had done this, he reported what? There is still room for more. There is still room for more. Verse 23, so his master said, go out into the country lanes and beyond, behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. One more time from verse 23. There is still more room. There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes, behind the hedges, and urge anyone you find to come, so the house will be full. Friends, those who were once outsiders were welcomed in, so the house would be full. To the poor, to the crippled, the blind, the lame, the master says there's still more room. This is God's heart for the world. This is God's heart for the world, and it's what we heard in our opening scripture, right? Where the peace of Christmas comes from Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to read this one more time. Let this sink in. Don't forget that you used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the peoples of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. You were not welcome in the house of God. But now, verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought what? Peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when his own, his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Let's just jump down to verse 17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. And now all of us, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Now all of us, all of us and all of us all who are in and all who are out have the same opportunity to come to, the, to come to the Father because of what Christ has done for us. Now all of us can come. The door has been opened. The table is set. This is God's heart for the world. Lost would be found. And the found, the found 
would be free. Doesn't matter who you were, doesn't matter what you did, Jesus came to invite you into his house to dine as family at his table because with Jesus, there's always room for more. There's always room for more. Reminds me of this um, amazing moment from this past, this past weekend, actually just you know, two days ago. On Fridays um, in our house, we typically do family movie night, and this week, Ford, my eight, almost nine-year-old, he picked The Grinch. Has anyone seen The Grinch? Oh, yeah. But go see it. You got The Grinch on your list, right? There's like four versions you can pick from, so that you can rotate them in. So we picked the Grinch to get us kind of in the swing of Christmas. Anyway, I'm sure most of you know the story, but in the story, there's essentially this Grinch um, who lives outside, remember this, outside the beautiful town of Whoville, and the Grinch can't stand Whoville. And so he makes a plan to steal all their stuff and ruin their Christmas. Now, in the story, he was what? He was the enemy. He was the villain. It's who he was and what he did. But then, toward the end of the movie, there was this moment where he saw how even when he stole everything from them, even when they lost everything, they still had this joy. And something in his heart began to change. Kind of sounds like the gospel, doesn't it? Long story short, this change in him, um, it caused him to go back and return everything he stole. But even after he surrendered the stuff, there still wasn't peace between them. Even after he did his best to make things right, he still felt like an outsider. Why? Because he was. He was separated from them by his evil thoughts and actions. This is Colossians chapter 2. Right? But then something amazing happened. I just want to show you. Actually, could you just press... Why don't you press play on the screen? Make sure the audio is up, Riyadh. I want you to notice something here. The Grinch, he surrendered. But the little girl is the one who made peace when she came to him. Peace came to the Grinch and invited him into the house, to her table. And when we hear that phrase inspired by Luke 14 in Ephesians 2, I love this. It just crushes me. It says, why would you come here and invite me? She responds, you have been alone long enough. And friends, this is God's heart for the world. This is why Christmas happened in the first place, because we had been alone long enough. 
we had been alone long enough, so Jesus came. And even when we were enemies, he came and made peace between the past and the future. He came and made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. He came and made peace between himself and the world by making this brand new family to call his own. A family that is no longer limited by the bloodline of Abraham, but rather defined by his future blood poured out on the cross that was spilled for all who believe. His blood that brought our entry, signed our adoption, gave us keys to the kingdom and welcomed us home. A home where the door is always open, the table's always set, a table where there is still room for more. And friends, this is what we remember today on this first week of Advent. When Jesus came and put into motion a plan of peace that changed what was possible for the world. Where once we were not a people, once we were separated from God by our evil thoughts and actions, once we were on the outside, we were excluded from citizenship, along with God's covenant promises. We lived without God and without hope. We were alone for too long. But then Jesus came. He came and he made peace. And friends, this is as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. There is still room for more. For you and for me. And for all the world to come and see what God is like. And while the stable might be gone, the stable might be gone, I'm here to tell you the table remains. The table remains, and just like my own Christmas tradition of crowns and crab legs, y'all, Jesus even now is saying, come to the feast. He's saying, come to the feast, there's still room. Come, so the house will be full. He's saying, come, you have been living alone long enough. Join me at the table that's always ready. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you know or you don't. It doesn't matter where you've been. You might be a shepherd or a mystic. You might be poor in spirit or in resource, and there's still room. There's still room at the table. You might be crippled or cast out or blind or bankrupt, and friends, there is still room for you. To the sinners and the saints in the house today, the established and those just getting started, there is still room for you. For those who see no hope for the future, and I know that for those who see no hope for the future and those whose future is fixed on their own selfish desires, y'all, there is still room for you. No one is worthy of this invitation. No one is worthy, yet the gift of Christmas is that Jesus has come anyway. Meet me in the manger. Come and see what God is really like. Come and experience what life was always intended to be. Come, bring your offering like the Magi. Lay down your crown before the King of Kings. Find your freedom and your identity in the true Prince of Peace. Jesus says, come. And this is, this is how Christmas changed the world. This is how Christmas changed the world once we were outsiders, but now because of Jesus, there's always room for more to come and see what God is like. So welcome home. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you as we wrap this up today. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a gift it is to be welcomed into his house. Amen? Amen. And, and I want you to know, maybe for some of you, 
Maybe for some of you, you're here because it's Advent and you're like trying to sort this stuff out. Maybe for some of you, you, you grew up in the church, but now you're kind of on the fence. You don't really know what's happening right now. Um, and so maybe some of you haven't made a decision yet. So I just want to give you an opportunity real quick to do just that, to make a decision to come to Jesus today. But for the rest of us, um, we're all going to take an intentional a step of faith forward to return to the stable in our own hearts and minds, right? To say thank you. But first, if anyone here, if anyone here has not made this decision to give your life to Jesus, to receive his peace and be welcomed in his house for eternity, I just want to encourage you to pray with me. And while this is not a full reflection of your future faith, it's a foundation to build on. And so if you would, just bow with me, and it all starts by saying this. If you want to meet God today, it starts by saying this. Jesus, I believe you're real. You're good. You love me, and you lead to peace. I believe you were born free of sin, died on the cross as a payment for my own, and rose from the dead three days later so I might be born again and filled with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new. Thank you for calling me family. From here to heaven, my life is yours. Amen. And, for, and God, for all the faithful in the room today, I just want to pray peace over their Advent season. There is so much that holds us back. There is so much that keeps us feeling on the outside when we already have keys to the house. And so in this moment, God, I ask that you would just open our hearts and minds again to receive your spirit so we might know who we are in you, so we might know what's possible because of you, so we might celebrate and live lives of joy and peace and patience and kindness because we know, we know that you came and there's still room for more. And so, Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we honor you, we worship you, we follow the star to you today, and we ask that you would redeem anything in us that is a disconnect. God, we ask that you would receive our worship and our praise, that you'd receive our gifts, and God, that we would see you with fresh eyes. God, we thank you for the invitation. We thank you for coming. Jesus, we thank you that you open the doors to the kingdom and that with you, there's always room for more. So Jesus, thank you for today. Keep this message fresh in our hearts and minds. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Derek. Amen. Uh.